In the spring of 1918 began one of the most memorable individual adventures of the war. It is an exploit, the like of which has no parallel in theatrical history. Present, 4,000 waiting doughboys. The boys are standing on the tracks. They are swarming up the sides of the shed, keyed up to great expectancy. The men make way on either side, cheering madly, for there, on the cowcatcher, her famous fluted skirt streaming in the breeze, her hand waving the usual breezy salute to everybody, is the girl. Up to the very platform she proceeds, jumps nimbly off, turns a handspring, and shouts, Boys, are we downhearted? There comes a thunderous, ear-splitting answer. It is Elsie Janis, who from this day becomes the sweetheart of the army in the most spectacular stage entrance in the annals of the theater. This anecdote introduces a chapter about Janice in the 1921 book Entertaining the American Army by James W. Evans and Captain Gardner L. Harding. Tracing the history of entertainers' work for the recent war effort, the authors showed that American soldiers practically worshipped an entertainer as vibrant and committed as Janice. Welcome to Showman's Land, entertainment for the U.S. war effort in World War I. In this episode, I'll describe Janice's performing activities on the warfront in 1918, how audiences viewed her, and how she reflected on her identity as a woman who couldn't fight in the war as she wanted. Let's start at her beginning, shall we? Performing in vaudeville theater since childhood, Elsie Janice was a household name in both the U.S. and England by the 1910s. In fact, Janice had been starring in a show in England when the war first broke out, and she immediately started performing for British troops to boost morale. In her post-war memoir, The Big Show, My Six Months with the American Expeditionary Forces, Janice wrote that her fellow Americans disappointed her with their neutral attitudes about the war. She may have believed that the U.S. stalled in joining the Allied war effort, but she saw the effects of war already in Europe. By the time the U.S. declared war against Germany on April 6, 1917, Janice prepared what she could give to the war effort. 3,000 miles away from home, American soldiers appreciated her efforts and savored being in her presence. I started in at home, recruiting, playing benefits, and doing a very warm mad act in vaudeville, singing patriotic songs, etc., and telling everyone I was going to France. No one quite believed it, and to me it seemed almost too good to be true, but it was. And when I got there, I met in every corner fellows who said, when you said you were coming over here first, I never thought you would do it, but by gosh, you did. American soldiers appreciated that Janice, moved by the Allied cause, used her talents to help the war effort. Many entertainers fundraised on the home front, but Janice entertained on the war front for soldiers since they were homesick and burdened by the notion of danger and death always looming in war. Probably because she performed for soldiers instead of civilians and journalists, Janice rarely got negative reviews or comparisons to highbrow entertainment. By World War I, journalists and audiences approved of vaudeville as a special style of stage performance. Vaudeville blended popular music, comedy, dance, and more but usually while mocking races and genders. A few times in her memoir, Janice stated that soldiers and civilian workers on the war front would censor themselves in her presence, partially because she was a woman, and also because they enjoyed lowbrow entertainment. For instance, Janice led soldiers in a song called The Payroll, which included the lyrics, And we never get a goddamn cent. 
Janice explained that the soldiers stopped short on account of ladies present. She said, What's the big idea? I know that song, and if you can sing it to yourselves, you can sing it to me. I'm in the AEF. And so I started them again, and they sang it. Though her female status prevented her from being one of the boys, Janice encouraged soldiers to look past her gender since her role as a wartime performer came first. At the same time, she didn't want soldier audiences to judge her as a cheap performer, even though they wanted lowbrow entertainment. Damaging traditional interactions between Americans, World War I let performers like Janice to curb accepted displays of gender. Giving over 600 performances for Allied troops in 15 months, Janice later recreated one of those performances in a short early sound film made in 1926 called Behind the Lines. It's the only source showing what one of her wartime performances would have looked like. It's unclear why she made this almost 10 years after the war ended. Little is known about Behind the Lines besides it being an experimental sound film produced by Warner Brothers. A year later, the production company released the first widely popular talkie, The Jazz Singer. As seen in Behind the Lines, Janice, on top of a truck bed with a piano player, leads soldiers in popular wartime songs, Call Madelon, In the Army, Goodbye, and When Yankee Doodle Learns to Parlez Vous Francais. soldiers, Janice still intently mouths the lyrics. Years after the war, she never gave up her control as entertainer extraordinaire. The movie shows Janice and the soldiers entertaining each other in an uplifting way while the war supposedly ravaged around them. Even years after the war ended, Janice effectively showed that her war effort performances were an enduring aspect of her life. During the war, soldier audiences worshipped Janice on the war front. Janice still performed for troops even when the surroundings were dangerous. As one report said, Miss Janice looked up and asked if there was any chance of her being killed because she didn't want to be. She had work to do tomorrow. The troops cheered and clapped for her, so the performance resumed. This journalist and others shaped public perceptions of how dedicated Janice was at putting her own life at risk to entertain troops. Constant patriotic lectures often bore soldiers, but Janice proved to be a respite to those used to excessive tediousness. As one soldier stated, Janice is an oasis of color and vivacity in a dreary desert of frock-coated and white-tied lectures who have been visited upon us. Therefore, we are for her. While surely it was important to know the technical parts of being a soldier like military training, soldiers believed that Janice's performances kept morale high, more so than their propagandist education. Even newspapers praised Janice through the words of soldiers killed in action. 
One soldier described in a letter to his sister that he just saw Janice perform. The soldier expressed how moving he thought Janice's singing was, and further added that she'd be greatly inspirational to his friends and family back on the home front. Oh, if she only voiced the feelings of everyone at home, to do this great thing, to give the Germans hell and be egged on with the spirit she voiced, isn't it wonderful? He compared his family and friends to all having the Elsie Janice spirit, all right, and further claimed that it was these letters and the dejected look on the faces of some of the fellows at the time that made me pay so much attention to the go get em spirit of Elsie's personality. Tell your pacifists to go see Elsie Janice. Morale, you know, is half the battle. Janice impacted this soldier so much with her morale-boosting performances that he wrote of it in his last letter to his family. Clearly, each soldier who saw her on the warfront loved Janice as both a performer and as a sympathizer to their plight. Janice, in turn, was humbled by the constant approval she received, as she stated in her memoir. The soldiers presented me with flowers from the curb's garden. I felt rather as if I was robbing some poor dear boy who had gone, but the boys were very proud of having flowers for me, so I thanked them. Janice believed that the soldiers deserved more praise than she did, yet she still accepted their gifts. Another instance Janice wrote about showed the lengths soldiers went to see her perform. Got a note from the boys who were quarantined saying, Dear Miss Janice, we can't get out, but won't you come and sing one song under our windows? Signed, Scarlet Fever, Mumps, Meningitis, and Other Bugs. Limited in ways like wounds or diseases from the war front, soldiers still made sure Janice knew how eager they were to see her perform. Janice also delayed performing for wounded soldiers in a hospital on account of a dying soldier. When she returned the next day, Janice was able to perform for the soldiers and even casually remarked that, I'm sure they were sorry he was gone, but to them, in their youth and enthusiasm, death is only part of the game. So we carried on. Though she comes across as dismissive when reporting on death, Janice likely saw many wartime tragedies that she held back from revealing to readers of her memoir. She added to readers that death became normal in wartime. Clearly, Janice believed that she had to entertain every soldier she came across since the chance of them dying was high. Soldier admirers always wanted to participate in performances with Janice. Journalists noticed that soldier audiences perceived Janice differently than civilians. One noted that, Miss Janice at home has made us laugh till we cried, but over there she has made our boys laugh amid the existing tears. She's making our men better fighters. Even so, Janice enthralled soldiers so they'd have some regular entertainment amid the gruesome war surroundings. I've sung to them and seen them march from my show into the trenches, then played for the fellows that they relieved, and the next morning sung in a hospital to some of the men I saw go in the night before. Janice also said that soldiers usually sang along with her, including a time when a storm made it hard for soldiers to hear her. I managed to continue except when fearful gusts of wind drowned the sound of my voice. Then the boys helped me and sang, Wait till the sun shines, Elsie, till I was able to go on. Janice liked performing with the soldiers themselves, as it was the closest she'd ever come to being the soldiers she admired most. As a woman, Janice always navigated her gender throughout her war effort work. 
Journalists and soldier audiences often reference Janice's gender in various accounts. One report outright said that Janice was just as pretty offstage as she is on, a slim stripling of a girl with a wistful mouth and brown eyes holding twin sparks of whimsicality. She's as irrepressible as a small boy, and she trains like an athlete. Even though they highlighted Janice's appearance as a woman, journalists didn't resolve their awareness of her masculine behavior. Soldiers often wrote poems to and about Janice, which suggested a romantic relationship between them. One poem by a soldier named Ted Sullivan declared, In foreign papers we have read that you were over here to fill the lives of Yankee boys with a smile, a bit of cheer. This stanza shows that the soldiers Janice performed for were satisfied with her talent as well as the fact that she was a woman for their viewing pleasure. Another soldier named Andrew Armstrong wrote a poem in Janice's honor too. He compared the heroic Joan of Arc hundreds of years earlier to Janice, declaring that, We've got our Elsie Janice from the good old USA, who's come across the sea to root for fighting men today. She brings the Yankee spirit and she brings the Yankee grit, and a chap who's ever seen her won't neglect to do his bit. These poems show that soldiers felt compelled to fight after seeing a woman, in this case Janice, perform for them. Because they saw few women on the warfront, soldiers took note of Janice as both a woman and a performer who livened their spirits and their male gaze. Janice herself determined her own opinion of her gender and the ways she responded to audiences viewing her. Janice said, Seriously, I would not take a million dollars for the joy I have had just out of being with our boys and having them tell me I was a regular girl. While unbothered by the opinions of most people, Janice cared deeply about the soldier audiences judging her. As she also stated, I knew pretty well what the fellows liked, but I never realized what it would mean to them to see a girl from home that they knew, more or less. She tailored her performances to please the soldiers as a means for morale and to tend to male fantasies. I am engaged to the whole AEF. It is simply impossible for me to pick out any one of those thousands of wonderful boys. Similarly, she claimed that she never wanted to get married because... I am not satisfied now unless I have at least a dozen good-looking Yanks passing me 20 things at once, and something tells me even an American husband, who is undoubtedly the best tamed of all, would balk at having an army around the house even if he could afford it. It's unknown if any of these soldiers actually proposed to Janice. If any did, she was likely flattered and turned it into kind of a joke in her performances. Like many soldiers, Janice also wrote poems in honor of her audience. In a poem called Irish Philosophy, Janice addressed the soldiers she performed for, beginning at the top, to the boys. She stated in the poem that it was all right for them to have a little bit of sadness, but to not be overwhelmed by it through the war. Janice shaped her own performances and recollections of her service as an extension and inclusion of her gender for both the war effort and the public sphere. Janice often balanced being both a woman and an entertainer in her war effort work. While performing on the war front, Janice noted that the war affected her appearance as a woman entertainer. For example, in her memoir, she said that, I put on my little pleated blue skirt, which I wore all over France, 
all the time we were there. I never wore a real evening gown but three times. Though surely no one expected her to wear an evening gown in the trenches, Janice encountered obstacles when performing her gender and her vaudeville routines. Her service also contrasted with other women service workers. Soldiers were surprised that, I don't wear a uniform, and I'm the only girl I've met who does not. Likewise, the Allied military is limited where she could travel to on the war front. Janice wasn't a nurse, an ambulance driver, a canteen worker, or any other typical woman's role for the war effort, yet she still wanted to help at the front. At the same time, Janice saw the same horrors that affected soldiers and civilian workers alike on the war front. Exhausted from performing a dozen shows a day, Janice confessed that, I usually had a good cry when I got home, but my reward was in the fact that the boys wanted me, and it was with rather a heavy heart that I left them to go back to the front, or it was rather uphill work spurring our boys on after I had seen the results of a victorious battle. Janice, as a woman, felt fatigued having to keep a positive disposition in the face of a war-torn environment and audience. Ultimately, Janice interacted with soldiers more intimately than she expected, since they saw her as both a woman and a performer. Though Janice was the main attraction as a performer, and usually the only woman for miles on the war front, soldiers also found ways to participate in gendered performances. Janice recounted that she saw a few instances of cross-dressers, which made her feel a bit insecure as a woman. They had a girl who was so pretty that I was ashamed to get up on the stage after her, and was very thankful that my skirts were not as short as hers. Comparisons are odious. She asked me if I had a spare evening gown, so I am going to send her one. They said she is a damn good little mechanic. Another instance Janice remembered was a performance in her honor. The ladies especially were very good fellows. They even offered to lend me their powder puffs. After the show, six lovely fairies disappeared into the tent, and a few minutes later, six strong-looking guys in khaki came out. While only a few examples, Janice regarded drag culture before it was widely connected with the queer community. Soldiers usually performed more typical and traditional masculinity, which tended to be reserved for the war front. Janice believed that men like war since it made them real men. She added an example of, I saw a man in England who used to wear pale pink shirts and smell so strong of Mary Garden perfume, go to war and come back with a Victoria Cross for rescuing seven wounded men under machine gun fire. Though unfairly sexist, Janice thought about the merging of traditional male roles with warfare society. While never having to fight like the soldiers she performed for, Janice still reflected on what it meant to be a participant in the war based on gendered expectations. Janice's gender got in the way of becoming a soldier. Instead, she used her talents to entertain soldiers and wanted her peers to join her. Janice eagerly performed for soldiers as a means of doing more than the average American did to support the war effort. In her memoir, Janice more plainly stated her love for the war conditions she encountered, as well as restated being like the soldier she entertained. I must admit, I am a roughneck. I liked the places where we had to go through mud, climb things, etc. to get there. She added throughout her memoir her disdain for the German enemy while itching to fight them and complained that, 
I had to convince myself that I was really there to entertain the boys and not to strafe Huns. At the same time, she begged readers of her memoir to understand that her efforts were just as courageous on the war front. I've played under shellfire. I've worn a gas mask and danced. I've crossed the ocean seven times during the war. I faced regiments of cooties without a tremor. Clearly, Janice was still under the same dangerous conditions as the soldiers she performed for and other more recognized civilian service members on the war front. Instead, Janice could only imagine what it would have felt like to be a soldier and what her reputation instead demanded. If I were a doughboy like thousands I've seen, then I could expect a welcome, especially as the only reward lots of them got was their own pride. However, the fact remains that I have been and am still being treated like a heroine, and I surely do love it. Janice loved having the comparable glory that soldiers received when welcomed back to the U.S., but the war could never fulfill her fantasies of soldiering. After the war, Janice returned to the country making some appearances on stage and screen, but she mostly went behind the scenes in the entertainment industry instead. She wrote screenplays, composed songs for films, and turned to radio throughout the 1920s until the 1940s. When World War II broke out, the federal government formally created the USO in 1941. Still active today, the USO gives entertainment and recreation to American soldiers. However, World War I war effort entertainers, like Janice, found typical ways to support and perform for soldiers stationed on the war front. Comedian Bob Hope, who became most associated with the USO tours from World War II onward, encouraged Janice to come out of retirement to entertain soldiers once again. Over 20 years after performing on the war front, Janice passed the responsibility of entertaining American soldiers to the next generation. Even though she is little known today, Janice deserves to be honored as the godmother of war effort entertainment. Thanks for listening to this episode of Showman's Land, written, produced, and hosted by me, Sarah Beagleson. I'd like to thank Kathy Collison for lending her voice to Elsie Janice. I hope you enjoyed learning about Janice's experiences during World War I. Feel free to visit the show's website linked in the description to discover photographs, see episode transcripts and sources, and more. Until next time, as the Great War Song says, goodbye! I like your style and your smile and the way you comb your hair. I like your clothes and your looks are more than fair. I must admit, you can stitch up the hay much better than most young fellows can. Um, I like your boy and your mind and your sister too. There is no doubt that I think a lot of you. I'd marry you in a minute, but I want to. Yeah.